Hi everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us individually bring a fic to talk about. Nick, what is your fic for this episode? My fic for this episode is When the Kingdom Comes Calling by Blue A, and it is a Jen Danny Phantom fic. Brenna, what did you bring? Yeah, so my fic is called It's a Neighborly Day in This Beauty Wood by Masu Trout. Um, it's a Jen fic as well. It is based off a Tumblr post, so we'll get into that when we get to my fic. Uh, Reed, what's yours? My fic is Wander the Wild Whereby by Mediest. It is a Fire Emblem Three Houses fic, and the pairing is Felix Sylvain. Three houses, three fandoms. How about three sonas? <laughs> <laughs> Three, three hosts. Three oh hosts. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Three figs. Mm-hmm. We already said that. Shoot. Three um. hosts. <laughs> <laughs> three d- locations. Three recording location. from. Mm-hmm. Three recording softwares. Three uh-huh. mi- microphones. No, two. Mi- no. Well, two of the same microphones. <laughs> three microphones, but two of the same model. So Yours it doesn't is really. A different color, though. <laughs> Um, all good things come in threes, and as Nick alluded to, three sonas. Nick, what did you mean by that? (laughs) Well. As internet-savvy ficlets might know, sona is uh, a pretty hip way to say persona. So we figured we have three different fics with three very different protagonists in different settings. Uh, So we thought, you know, why not do a ghost sona for my fic? an eldritch sona for Brenna's fic, and a space sona for Reed's fic. Individually, we do them. Go! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, should we all, should we go around and each do our three, or go around and do them by category? I I feel like by category. category. Yeah. Okay. Nick, do you want to start off with yours? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll talk about my ghost sona. Yeah, so recently, um, I did take some photographs of myself, uh, selfies, some might call them. And I did describe my vibe at the time as a wealthy Victorian ghost uh, slash sexy upholstered dark furniture. Um, (laughs) That was the vibe. So I feel like my ghost Sona is like a haunted sectional couch (laughs) with eyes, like big googly eyes on the back Uh of the couch. Uh Uh-huh. And it goes, ooh, are they... <laughs> don't sit on me. <laughs> yeah, wait, I have a clarifying question. Like, what are these eyes like? Like, are they googly eyes? Are mm-hmm. they sort of like cartoon eyes? Are they like human eyes? No, they're literally like craft googly okay. eyes, but the yeah, inner part like can that. move <laughs> on its own because it's ghost taunted. I have a question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, are the eyes on like the front or the back of the couch on like the side? Where are the eyes? And can they yeah. move or are they static? Do you have a mouth? No. I figured the okay. cushions move when Nick talks no. in Mimic of a Mouth. No. It's telepathy. <laughs> <laughs> if someone comes near me, they hear my voice in their head. Okay. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, the eyes are on like the, I don't know how to describe it, the the seat back. Yeah, So like yeah, the yeah. front of the couch, but yeah. the upper part. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
So that's yeah, my that. ghost soda. <laughs> oh, I, I'll throw it to someone else, I guess. Ooh, spooky. Brenna, go ahead. <laughs> okay, yes. Um, I've had a lot of time to think about this. So, um, You've had like 24 soda, hours. Well, that's assuming you, <laughs> I have not thought about it before. <laughs> you true. know what? You're so right. Um, I think this was actually included in one of my like Twitter mood board tweets, but um, mm. those those exist for a reason, and mine would be sort of a haunted Victorian child trapped in a locket. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You got this locket from your great aunt uh, when she passed. You'd only met her like twice in your life, uh, but this was specifically bequeathed to you in a her will. Story. Um, <laughs> We're not even yeah. to the ghost yet. <laughs> the backstory is more important. Okay. Uh, this was specifically bequeathed to you in her will. Um, you don't wear it for a while, and the first time you put it on, you sort of get this sense of, like, uneasy dread in in your body, sort of creeping up your spine, uh, your house feels colder, all the typical ghost things. Uh, then you start to see this, uh, sort of sickly child in your dreams, <laughs> wearing white, uh, it's me! <laughs> Hello! <laughs> I don't actually Whoa. like do anything bad to you. Like we just kind of hang out. A, a I'm like trying to get reader you... fic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to get you to join my like really kind of dreadful tea parties. Like that's it. I think. Brenna, I would join your dreadful tea parties. Thank you. Ray. I would not. I have sandwiches, but they're moldy. Oh, oh yuck! No, I definitely mm. would not. Well, I'm a ghost. Like <laughs> I don't have a mouth, <laughs> so I can't. That's true. That's true. Okay, Reed, what's yours? Um, I almost feel like I did this assignment wrong. <laughs> oh, no. My vibes are really different. Um, <laughs> When we pitched this sort of intro idea yesterday, I was like, okay, I'm making a Danny Phantom ghost Sona specifically. Mm-hmm. That is what I also kind of thought. Yeah, me but too. But then Nick went in a different direction I'm and like, I just I'm had one ghost prepared, and I become so. a couch. <laughs> um well okay so in danny phantom as far as i remember it like a lot of the ghosts have some sort of gimmick so like Mm -hmm. ember like a musician she's sort of like her ghostly powers are sort of like through her guitar Mm -hmm. so i was like what's my gimmick and given both my fic for this week and also my general person that i am i decided like video game was my gimmick so i actually think as a ghost i am like a somewhat moody, probably like 17-year-old with a little like non-trademarked handheld console and all my ghostly things sort of come through gaming. So like when mm. I'm trying to attack you, it's like sending out like little like low-level enemies. Nice. Um, if I'm like running away from you, I might like get a power up and be really small or like make a brick wall appear in front of you, something like that. Uh-huh. That is my vibe. I'm, I like, I cause problems, but not on purpose. Oh, okay. Um, I think like I'm a little bit of a menace, but I'm not like actively out to get anyone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're like the younger version of technus the ghost from danny phantom who is technological but he's really old and has bad <laughs> slang <laughs> no i'm i'm really cool um, okay. as an angsty teenager with my mine is really console. cool too mine is really cool okay. too <laughs> yeah my, mine is also really cool okay. <laughs> Okay, in my defense, I've never seen Danny Phantom, so, like, (laughs) I had to just create a ghost based on my imagination (laughs) and personal vibes. Should we get into our Eldritch Sonas? Yeah. Brenna, take it away. Okay, I think my Eldritch Sona would be... At first, you just think it's a little frog, Um, but then on the full moon... (laughs) 
it becomes like a, a giant frog, like towering above your home, oh, standing boy. on its back legs only. <laughs> um, it has a little coat made up of <laughs> twine. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm listening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're listening, but I can't speak. <laughs> it's standing on its back legs and it has a little coat made up of like twine and bark and pine needles woven together it also does have a hat made of a lily pad you kind of are like oh this isn't so bad it's just a giant frog but it's like a giant frog um you've never seen a frog this big (laughs) (laughs) and also i like glow slightly um sort of like those fluorescent or not fluorescent um what's the word i'm looking for those jellyfish that are like luminescent Bioluminescent. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we've got some bioluminescence going on over here, but this is only on the full moon. Other times I'm oh. just a little frog, but I am still hugely powerful. Don't cross me. <laughs> I will hex <Okay>. you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I've got, Reed. What about you? <laughs> yeah, um, I went for a little bit of a similar thing where like appearances are not all what they seem. Um, I went a little more for like a, a changeling vibe. Um, so I appear at first like a regular person. And when you hang out with me, it like... It's mostly fine. Sometimes I say things that are, like, really unsettling and, like, off. But for whatever reason, like, you don't stop hanging out with me. Um, But if you are foolish enough to go looking for true sight, what you will see is, like, um, ooh, like, sharp teeth. Just mouthful of sharp teeth. I've got, Mm. like, glowing eyes. Icker, like, dripping down from the eye sockets. I definitely have, like, some sort of... Not, like, in a grisly body horror way, but I definitely have, like, exposed ribs with sort of, like, vines woven through them. You know what I mean? But, like, not in a way where there's, like, blood and stuff. It's just just the ribs, just for, like, Is the there aesthetic. more icker? Yeah, there can be some icker. Why not? <laughs> icker! <laughs> um, like, like, clawed hands. Um, just, just like, a, a little creature, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's on you. You shouldn't have gone looking. You should have just dealt with me being, like, a slightly unsettling human. Um, Yeah. So that's sort of my eldritch form is like changeling esque. Nick? Yeah, mine is just Slender Man but wearing a propeller cap. <laughs> Sometimes I jump and I spin it and it looks like I hover. That's it. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, yeah, I like it. Thank you. Forget like you quiz personality <laughs> tests. Yeah. This says more about us, I think, than anything else. Yeah, Ficklets, um, please tell us your ghost Sona, your Eldritch Sona, and your space Sona. I want to hear mm-hmm. them. Absolutely. Please tweet at us, hit us up in the Discord, whatever. I yeah. would love to know your takes on these as well. Which I guess leads into space Sonas. Um, yeah, my fic is sort of your typical space opera. Um, and so, okay, here's the thing. I got pretty self-indulgent with this one um, because it's my fic and why not? In the fic, like, mostly the weapons that they use are guns, sometimes guns with, like, lasers. Um, Mm. But I have decided that for my space Sona, I have dual-wielding space swords. What does that mean? I don't (laughs) know. That's up to you. It's not a lightsaber. They are swords. But they're not just regular swords. Like, they're space swords. They're some kind of, like, glowy something. They they do some cool shit. I don't know what, but I do have dual-wielding space swords. They shoot lasers out of the very tip. (laughs) Yeah, if I want them to, why not? They're space swords. (laughs) 
Um, I think my sort of general persona is that um, I probably end up on a ship similar-ish to Sylvain's where like we mostly do stuff above board but like you know we'll take some jobs that are a little bit a little bit on the other side of the law if you will it's a big galaxy whatever um, and I think on board I don't have a specialty like I'm not like a mechanic or a pilot or anything but what I am good at is like information and allies I have friends on like 15 different planets across like the sector or the galaxy or whatever. I'm good at like landing on a planet, getting info, schmoozing, making friends, etc. Um, that is sort of my my vibe. Charming, not quite space rogue, but like adjacent. And I have cool swords. It's really <laughs> important that I have cool swords. Uh, that's it. That's my space sona. Uh, my space sona is blonde. Just oh, FYI. okay, <laughs> okay. Um, and she's a princess. And God, I was like, Nick's face on is gonna be a princess. <laughs> she is, or like royalty. I wasn't, I wasn't sure about like the, yeah, the yeah. title, but no, she's princess. And at one point during the main character's journey, they're like talking to each other, like the two main leads or whatever that are kind of like rugged space people, and they're like, oh, we need a pilot. Um, and then one of them finally is like, oh, you know what? I know who we should ask. And then it smash cuts to them in my beautiful opulent chamber where I am lying back eating grapes and they're like space grapes we need you to fly yeah space grapes they're like we need you to fly and I'm like oh I've been out of that life for so long I live in luxury now Uh, but they convince me and then it's a really cool montage of me flying because I'm the best pilot in the galaxy as well thank you (laughs) I love that for you um no one here will be surprised by my space sona um we're going okay we're going straight up space cowboy like (laughs) full on like that is one of my favorite sort of sci-fi tropes Uh um yes if you're wondering brenna did you watch firefly a copious amount of times in your youth the answer would be yes if you're also wondering brenna do you have problems with that media now the answer would also be yes but let's not examine it too closely (laughs) um we're just going for some some vibes um so I'm kind of imagining, like, Timothy Oliphant's character in Mandalorian Season 2. Um, I am a girl, though, like, and I'm also not a sheriff. I'm just sort of, like, a helpful outlaw um, <laughs> who's running on her own terms. Um, but, like, I am, like, lawful neutral. So, you know, if you need my help, I'll probably give it to you for a price. Um, I don't... I'm not usually in space. I'm usually on my planet, like in my little Western town. Uh, But that's not to say like I can't fly. It's just not where you'd like find me. Like I'm the character where like the protag is like, I know who to ask for help. And then you like show up in my town. You know? It's me. Like, I, sh- I show up to ask you for help. You show up in my town. Yeah. Also, every I'm time I walk into a scene, there is that little like Western <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> musical cue to the point that's like almost comedic. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be into my own town. It can be like into any scene. Like when I step in, <laughs> the musical cue happens. Um, yeah, I do have like two pistols that do shoot lasers and I can do some cool old spinny tricks with them. Good. So, and I have a great hat. I want to make that clear. <laughs> so that's my character. I need you to know that um, for the entire time that you've been speaking, a little part of my brain has just been going, 
you can have your space cowboy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. When people make fan mixes for me, like that song is on there. Hundred percent. Oh, I mean, it has to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are some good sonas. I feel like we've really given the ficklets a good idea of our individual personalities and psyches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't don't analyze it. Just oh, enjoy feel free. it. Mm. Girl, girl, help. <laughs> You can't introduce girl help before we get to the girl help part of the plot. Okay. I'm a Victorian child of giant frog <laughs> and a cowboy. <laughs> Just keep girl help in your back pocket. We'll get back to it later. Yeah. We're building the lore. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, sort of unusual intro um, and our different sonas. We'd love to hear what your sonas would be, so please let us know. Um, Now it's time to get into something a little different. Uh, In order to become our sonas, we probably would have to get trapped in something like a very strange machine. We haven't, but our next (laughs) character has. Uh, Let's give up the floor for Danny Phantom. My fic for this episode is called When the Kingdom Comes Calling by Blue A. It is a fic for the hit children's animated show, Danny Phantom, who was just 14. Uh, when, when his, his parents, parents built, built a very, a very strange, strange machine? machine. Yeah, it was de- it was actually designed to view a world unseen, I think. Um, do you think he's going to catch them all because he's Danny Phantom? I think he is. So yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to imagine Brenna listening to this before this week. <laughs> Being like, what's yeah, ha- happening? I mean, I heard, I've heard i heard you two do this bit multiple times now. And it doesn't stop being funny. It's a catchy theme song. It's so good. Um, anyway, this is a fic. It is canon divergent um, from Phantom Planet, allegedly, which as it's tagged in the fic. I, okay, I picked this fic and then I started rewatching Danny Phantom and in the time since last outro I was like Danny Phantom um, and this recording I have watched a a full season plus an additional 10 episodes of season 2 which is 30 (laughs) episodes of television Um, ficlets who listen frequently will know that's really not my usual MO so it's been wild I did fall off watching I might just leave it at season 2 episode 10 for now but wow it was such a rush to return to childhood nostalgia for television, which I don't have a ton of. Um, anyway, this fix, so I'm going to be sharing quite a few spoilers for Danny Phantom. FYI, beep, 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 spoiler horns. If you want to like go back and re-experience <laughs> it or experience it for the first time, I guess do that. Uh, this fix is pretty spoiler heavy. I like that spoiler warnings started on this pod as like spoilers for the fic we're talking about or like media that is current. And the more we've progressed, like the more old and sort of niche fandoms we brought like we spoiler warned for the great gatsby and so at what point do spoiler warnings have any meaning if we re-recorded episode five we would be spoiler horning for hamlet by william shakespeare i think (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) uh yes um so in this fic um as in the show there is a ghost king of the ghost zone which is kind of a parallel universe to the real world Uh, Danny Phantom, half 14-year-old high schooler, half ghost, uh, after he had an accident in a very strange machine that his parents built that was designed to view a world unseen, um, he became half ghost. So he, in the show, 
defeats the old ghost king who was like evil and trying to rule the world blah 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 um in this fic and i guess in the show after a while uh he because he succeeded in like ritual combat without meaning to becomes king of the ghost zone this fic is tagged as reluctant king au and that's really the premise of the fic he's not interested in becoming king but the observants which are creepy little ghosts people with robes and a giant eyeball in place of a face uh they are very determined to make him king and bring the coronation ceremony to him so the fic is really him dealing with um he's actually 15 in this fic so you know growing up um it really deals with looking at how canon could have turned differently especially if there was more room than like a 20 minute episode to process this big change in his life it looks at his different relationships his parents who are ghost hunters don't know that he's a ghost his sister does we love her jazz we stan um and then his two best friends sam and tucker are also there and they're very supportive of him so yeah it looks at the way that his life just drastically changes there's some actiony stuff there's some um I don't know, some emotional stuff, but not really. It's like a 7K fic. It's quite fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. I found it super nostalgic. I don't know that I have any content warnings aside from stuff from the show, which is designed for children. So like, <laughs> I don't know, ghosts, uh, implied monarchy. Otherwise, <laughs> like, not really anything. Um, any like violence or fighting or anything is about equivalent to the show where there's not really any real dangers of like peril and it's like ghosty fighting so everyone's already dead anyway <laughs> yeah it brings them the on uh, a lot of the ensemble from the show as well so there's a lot of fun little references and i think i found it really rewarding to watch the show quite a bit of it back and then read this again it felt very like wow i remember when i was young and enjoyed this media so i was excited to bring it uh danny phantom is my friend but yeah i think those are my general thoughts um co-hosts who also read this fic i assume what are your thoughts yeah i really enjoyed this fic i do not know much about danny phantom um i remember its existence or like his existence and the show's existence but i didn't really ever watch it as a kid um so i wasn't really familiar with the characters or the premise of the show like i kind of knew he had like two looks and that was about it (laughs) um So I did watch the, like, theme song bit, which does sort of explain uh, what happened to Danny, which was helpful. Um, And Nick gave me some context that I tried to retain. Um, But this was really fun. I, yeah, I don't think I needed a whole lot. Like, the things that I needed outside of what this fic gave me were um, basically just, like, how did he become partially a ghost? Because I was worried that he had died and then been resurrected, (laughs) and I was concerned about that choice for, like, a Nickelodeon children's show. Um, I was also confused that his parents were ghost hunters and therefore kind of hunting him, which seemed upsetting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) like, just, that's gotta be rough, man. Um, imagine, like, going to therapy and being, like, sometimes it just really feels like my parents are out to get me and it's like i know that Mm -hmm. we can feel that way but like i'm sure they have your best interest it's like no like they're actively hunting me yeah i'm being hunted yeah (laughs) but only sometimes when i'm in my ghost form (laughs) and when you say you're in your ghost form what does Uh, that mean (laughs) yeah yeah let's work with this metaphor 
Really, again, girl, help! I'm meeting all the criteria. I'm so sorry, Danny. <laughs> um, I'm sorry that your therapist doesn't think ghosts are real. Okay. Um, I also did want to know what the observants looked like. They seem like funky little dudes, and I'm a fan. Um, I don't know that I'm supposed to be a fan, but like I am, so <laughs> it's it's too late now. Um, I yeah, I really like this though. It was. It definitely had a kind of nostalgic feeling, even though I wasn't nostalgic for this piece of media. Um, I think it was just written with such fondness from the author and like such fondness towards the show that that really came through well for me. Uh, I liked our ensemble cast a lot. I liked Danny and his friends. Um, Danny's character was just a really big delight to read. Uh, His constant sort of running away from this coronation that these ghosts are trying to present him with was really entertaining and like it made me think a lot too about sort of the unwilling chosen one trope which I want to get into more a little bit later Uh, and I like the execution of that a lot here um yeah I think in some ways I almost sort of de-aged Danny and his friends in my brain um I feel like with usually with like YA lit I'm I'm, I tend to sort of age people up a little bit to make it more comfortable for, like, me as a 20-something to read. <laughs> um, but in this, because of how they acted and, like, I think because of my knowledge of it being, like, a show I would have watched at, like, a younger time in my life, like, I sort of was imagining them almost as, like, the kids from, like, Stranger Things-esque as they're sort of, like, little band of kids who have this access to this whole other strange world that the adults maybe kind of know about like Danny's parents certainly do but it doesn't really seem like I don't know how the whole rest of the world like responds to ghosts or what their involvement is um but I liked it a lot I kind of just like that ad- kids on an adventure feeling uh like I really enjoy that kind of media um especially I think when it's something to do with a little bit of like sci-fi paranormally uh things I I enjoy that kind of um story so this was very fun for me even though I was not familiar with Danny um it was a shock to realize that his last name wasn't uh actually Phantom and I did feel disappointed (laughs) upon learning that but you know I guess it's it's understandable yeah I loved this fic um I did watch Danny Phantom as a child um and funny enough like back in September 2020 I was just looking for some like comfort easy media i had already rewatched avatar um like during the summer and somehow i i did end up watching like a handful of episodes from danny phantom um not as many as nick has been on uh, in her recent rewatch but um it was delightful uh it was a really fun show i loved it and returning to it through this fic was so so fun i yeah just absolutely um overwhelmed with nostalgia in the best way um yeah, I think this fic was also super funny. I was thinking about um, Nick's pick from last episode, which was a Hunger Games fic, and how I sort of mentioned that, like, in the books, Katniss was like, I don't have time for romance, I'm busy dealing with, like, real-world shit. Um, and this felt like the opposite, where, like, these observant ghosts were like, Danny Phantom, you must become king of the ghost world. And he was like, I have an English test, like, get out of my <laughs> locker. Um, which was, like, so, so, so funny. Yeah, I was also having thoughts about, um, you know, like, media made for children and the age that Danny is um, and how that comes across in fic. Um, Like Brenna said, like, I was thinking about how the three of us recently had been talking about sort of how ridiculous it is when, like, YA lit characters are, like, 17 and have to save the world or whatever, but how 
right it felt for both the show and this fic for Danny to be the age he was. Um, it was super fun. I really, really enjoyed it. When Nick was like, I'm bringing a Danny Phantom fic, I was like, hell yeah. Um, and this absolutely held up to everything I could possibly want from that designation. Yeah, I knew if I was going to bring a fic for this fandom, I wanted it to be pretty canon compliant. I feel like that a lot of the draw for me was nostalgia. Um, sidebar, it's like super weird to have brought a television fandom that Brenna's like, I don't know what's happening. I feel like <laughs> I'm in an alternate reality. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you pick something that was sort of popular when we were all collectively in like late elementary to early middle school, there's a solid chance I don't know it. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> My my plan to put Brenna on her back foot is progressing. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have cable growing up, so You're forgiven. my knowledge is limited. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, one thing I wanted to talk about with this fic that I really loved, and one of the reasons I brought it, was because it felt very tonally true to the show, and also the setting felt super true to the show. Reed alluded, there's a scene where... One of the beholder ghosts shows up and is like he opens his locker and it's there and then he closes the locker immediately and it's trying to bust out and he's like covering it with his body trying to nonchalantly lean against it as other students are walking by like uh I I'm not really a visual person that like was like a scene in the show for me I was like okay I can 100% see that um and so that really cracked me up and I really liked how like in canon divergence, I feel like it's so nice when the canon itself is very, very much present and the building blocks that it's diverging from are all there. Uh, I think that makes it more satisfying for me. So I really loved that. And I liked just how like this was so in the world of Danny Phantom and like Amity Park or whatever. Um, in the show, it feels like a very small town. There's like a lot of people in the city. But it really brings back the same characters a lot. And so seeing almost all of them show up in this fic, too, is a very fun little Easter egg as they all popped up. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Like in a lot of episodes, something happens and the ghosts get released. And you're like, yeah, it's the same eight people usually. You're the same eight <laughs> ghosts that show up. So having them all pop up, uh, especially toward the end, was also really fun. Nick, I do just want to clarify for our listeners. I think you said beholder ghosts. Um, oh, behold- I did. Beholders are from D&D. These are yeah. called observants. Observants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you both made a face and I was like, I've done something wrong, but I had to keep going. <laughs> That's a good point. A beholder would be much more alarming. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Danny, Death don't ray. deal with the beholder. <laughs> Danny, Disintegration ray. No. Um, I do 100% agree with you. Um, Like, as you said, like that locker scene was so something I could picture right out of the show and like... Um, I think, like, right after that or something, Tucker, it says, like, it's described as, like, slinging his arm around Danny's shoulder as they, like, walk away. And, like, I could hear his lines being said. I could visualize it so clearly. Um, and I think it's funny, like, in the author's note, the, the author was like, I guess I'm writing for a 16-year-old cartoon now. <laughs> um, but for writing about a piece of media which hasn't been on air for quite a while, I think this author did a phenomenal job of capturing exactly the tone and the energy and all of that. Um, while also, like making it a little bit more, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Like, it's not like more adult. Like, it's not like it took Danny Phantom and made it like grim as seems to be the trend these days where it's like, oh, we're doing a gritty Powerpuff Girls reboot. Like, oh, no one God. wants that. <laughs> like, a, um, can you imagine like a gritty live action? Uh, unfortunately, I can, Danny Phantom. Well, reboot. unfortunately, Brenna can too, <laughs> oh, which God. I'll get to in a second. But um, in no way is this like grim. Like, it's very funny. It feels very tonally right. But it does feel also like, 
a little bit deeper maybe than what the show would normally give us. And I liked that a lot too. Yeah, I will briefly say, I think what you were referencing was the fact that my brain partially turned this into a live action mm-hmm. in inside, but I also am now unfortunately imagining the CW rebooting Danny Phantom <laughs> and what that would look like. It's horrible and I would watch it. Okay, moving on. <laughs> if they do it, let's watch it together. Okay. 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 Um, there is a scene pretty early in this fic that I really enjoyed and I think just kind of encapsulated the vibe of it for me. Uh, it's like the second time that the observant shows up to try and tell Danny, like, you gotta go get crowned. Um, and he's at school and the observant is like, follow me to the infinite realms for your coronation. You are under obligation to meet the council at Pariah's Keep, where you shall receive the crown of fire and the ring of rage. No, Danny snaps. I have an English test next period with Mr. Lancer. <laughs> like, I just love that he gets to be a high schooler still. Um, I also am obsessed with the vibe of these observants who kind of are just like, keep being sent out on these missions to take Danny back. And Danny's like, no. And they just like, kind of have this like scroll that they're reading from that's like, follow me to the infinite realm. <laughs> it's like what they have to say before they're allowed to like, yeah. crown him or something. Um, I don't know. That vibe was just really funny to me throughout it just kind of imagining these like you get the sense that there are a lot of observants so I really was just kind of imagining these as like low-level like bureaucrats who have been sent out to like bring this kid back and there was something about that that was just very entertaining to me throughout this fic honestly I was kind of a fan of them even though I understood why Danny did not want to be crowned king of darkness or whatever it is king of ghosts um but yeah I think the overall vibe of this was just really well done and definitely I was very rooted in him as like a teenager uh it never felt like he was being written at a different age than he was and I think that's something that's hard to do with media about kids that are around like 14 15 ish I also really appreciated the way that Danny's ghost powers were written specifically because um with stuff like combat or like superpowers or whatever I as someone who writes like two to three times a year um can find those things pretty difficult um and there's like a bit in the beginning I think when the first observant shows up where it talks about Danny turning intangible and like falling through his bed um and in addition to that being something I could see very visually from the show like I just thought it was well written um yeah I don't know I I think those things can be tough you can either get sort of like weighed down in the details or make it too obscure um, and I thought this fic did a good job nailing that balance as well when Danny's shooting ectoplasm blasts because he's just, like, fucking sick of it. He's like, get out of my face. I've put so many of you in this ghost-trapping thermos. When will you stop? <laughs> right, as you were saying that, uh, you said something like, I really love the way it wrote his ghost powers, especially since... I thought you were going to say, especially since I wish I had ghost powers. Mm. Um, because that felt like something you would say, but then you didn't. I just wanted to let you know. I think of the three, like, sonas that we crafted in our intro, I would yeah. rather be in the space AU uh-huh. sona. But, like, I would I would vibe with being my video game ghost sona. Um, I was just going to make the really important comment that I really like that he keeps the ghosts trapped in a little thermos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the thermos canonically looks like, but I just do looks imagine like a soup it thermos. as... 
the thermos I had in middle school and high school that my mom would put mac and cheese in for my school lunch. So could have been. Thanks, Danny. Yeah, yeah, more or less. It's the Fenton thermos, and he opens it and goes Zoop, and sucks in ghosts. I love that. Yeah, what and he a vibe. Eats them back into the ghost zone. It's also good because yeah, like. Kids don't have a lot of, like, containers. (laughs) I feel like you've got, like, your backpack, maybe a water bottle. Like, a thermos is such a good option. Big fan. Um, Yeah, that was my really vital comment that I needed to make. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I wanted to speak to Reed's point earlier about this fic being just, like, a hair more serious than the show on certain things. Uh, And the one thing in particular that really struck me as I was reading, I think the moment that I was like, yes, I want to bring this fic, it's about a little over halfway through when the observants basically swarm Danny and are like, you'll take this crown and ring and you will be king. And they manage to overpower him and he becomes the king. Uh, And toward the very end of that scene, he is crowned and they basically, the observants are like, everyone hail the ghost king. And he's like, okay, hold on. Uh, But he's been blasted with his newly acquired power. So he's acquired quite a bit of attention. And there are parents and kids standing out in front of their houses watching this happen. And the adults are kind of horrified. They're kind of scared. Danny Phantom in this form is this like incredibly powerful kind of scary ghost person His reputation in the city in the show tends to fluctuate quite a lot. Some of the ghosts run like smear campaigns against him and try to blame him for things. Uh, But in general, I don't know, it varies. Most people seem somewhat neutral. Uh, Unless he saves them directly, then they're like, go phantom. But I just really loved that bit. The kids are like pointing and laughing and the parents are like, no, 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 go inside. Like, this is actually something really horrible. I think the fact that the fic acknowledged the scale of that power and the way that it did made that really land for me as like, okay, this makes sense as the central conflict of this fic and the way that it was resolved like landed for me really well. The thing I think that also um, really shows him being an adult in this fic is when he flips off Vlad at the end of the fic because Nickelodeon would not let him give the finger to Vlad, but you know in his heart that (laughs) Danny Phantom wants to. The teens do curse a bit. It's very funny. Yeah, I think kind of off of Nick's point, the thing that I found almost most distressing in this fic wasn't really like Danny's new powers or him becoming king. Like I knew all of that would kind of get dealt with. It was actually his relationship with his parents that like made me kind of upset. Um, I haven't watched the show and I'm sure that in the show it's sort of dealt with in a typical like Nickelodeon cartoon way, um, which is to say that like things that are probably actually traumatizing in real life are kind of brushed off yeah. as humorous. Um But there's a couple scenes in this where, like, he's in his ghost form or whatever, phantom form, um, and his parents are kind of, like, hunting him, um, and I felt upset about it for him. (laughs) Like, I don't know, I just... Like, yes, do I think that maybe this whole show could have been resolved in some ways by Danny at the beginning, having been like, hey, parents, the machine that you made that's kind of broken turned me into a part ghost... (laughs) But he didn't. So now he's stuck here. But um, I don't know, like there's there's a scene where like one of the observants comes to try and coronate Danny. And Danny, I think at that point, is just in his human form. But his the observant is like, Danny, phantom, come get crowned king of the ghosts. And his mom like doesn't really hear that part, which is like a relief to him. But then there's a later scene where like 
they're kind of like fighting and stuff. And I was like, I don't like this. Like, this is going to be so traumatic for him um, that there's this whole, like, not just that there's a side of his personality that he has to like hide from his parents, which I, I think is a common theme in like teenage media. Um, but that like his parents are actively out to get him without knowing that it's him. Like, I don't know. I just found it kind of upsetting. And I think like, I understand why this fic didn't dig into it, but if we were talking about, like, fic that kind of makes Danny Phantom more serious, I would be interested in reading something that explores that aspect of it. Um, Not in, like, a super grim, dark way, but just in a, like, what are the actual repercussions of the relationship that Danny seems to have with his parents? Because it, it seemed messed up. Like, I didn't like reading that part. Yeah. No, that's fair. In the show, it's very comedic. His parents are slightly incompetent as ghost hunters, so there's never really a real risk, and I think that makes it less uh, emotionally loaded. So even when they're fighting, Danny's mostly just trying not to hurt them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna go now. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Well, the parts where they were just like, Phantom, we're gonna take you down, or whatever yeah. they kind of were saying, I was like, ah, oh, to hear your parents like say that to you without knowing that it's you, like... Yeah. Kind of that we're gonna take you down. <laughs> You're not my mom. No. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in a sort of different direction from what Brenna was saying, um, I think one of the aspects of the sort of Danny having to hide from his parents led to the, I think, pretty popular fandom idea that uh, Danny Phantom is a trans icon, which, hell yeah, we stan. Um, And there are some posts, like, floating around the internet of people sort of giving their theories or their sort of um, reasonings for why Danny Phantom is a trans icon. But I think a lot of it stems from sort of this idea of, you know, he has sort of, like, one person that he is wholly himself with, like, his friends and then this, like, other identity he's sort of holding around other people. Um, And this is, like, this is my sort of um, disclaimer that not all trans kids, like, feel the need or have to, like, hide their identity from, like, their families or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, I think that that sort of narrative of figuring out who you are and being sort of multiple identities at once, especially as you're trying to figure yourself out just, like, as a teenager, I think that resonates with a lot of queer narratives. Um, And so, I don't know. I, I think that is a really nice, like, holdover of fandom i don't know why fandom like latched back onto danny phantom which stopped running i think in like 2009 or something but then the internet was like actually let's revive this specifically with this headcanon um and i'm a fan yeah so when he goes ghost as he calls it in the show goes between being a human and a ghost um his appearance changes quite a bit he has like shock white hair and these glowing green eyes he has snow uh, white hair and glowing green eyes eyes. he can walk through walls walls, disappear disappear and fly fly. yeah he's Uh, much more unique than the other guys (laughs) (laughs) yes uh, but yeah, one other thing that changes is his physique changes a little bit, actually. Um, if you look at stills from when he's human and when he is a phantom, uh, his shoulders are a little bit broader. Um, there's just like a slight difference there that made people think, oh, okay, like there's potentiality that this is actually an aspirational self and body rather than just a slightly differently colorized version of the same person um also dan gets referenced in this fic evil dan who's danny (laughs) from the future uh when he cheated on a test and then that butterfly affected into him being horribly evil uh the future version of danny who is a ghost and who never seems to change out of ghost form is like ripped that guy (laughs) is huge um but like 
immensely <laughs> masculine, like super deep voice. And so the exaggeration of that masculinity, um, I think also could contribute to that headcanon of this projected potential future self. Yeah, I think one thing that I sort of mentioned earlier that I did think was really interesting with this fic was Danny is sort of the like reluctant king, um, like unintended chosen one kind of trope. Um, I think chosen one tropes can be really hit or miss for me. And it depends so much on both the character of the person who is the chosen one and like the circumstances surrounding it. Um, and I think what I found interesting about it here is sort of how he just stumbled into it and also really doesn't want it. I think both of those things always make it a more compelling trope for me. Um, and I think also as someone who's coming to this fic with very little knowledge of canon, very little knowledge of what Danny's character actually is, that made him more compelling in this fic for me. Um, I also kind of liked... Like, I would have happily read more of this fic. Like, I was curious to see how he would do as king. And honestly, also, if he found a way out of being king. Um, like, at the end, he is, like, crowned. But he still doesn't really want it. So I was curious to see if he found some, like, legal loophole <laughs> into, like, abdicating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But yeah, I just, like, I think that's a trope that we see come up a lot is sort of the some version of chosen one um and i really like this sort of like reluctant king aspect of it here like i would have been interested to see how that played out and like to see how danny uh ended up kind of like ruling the the ghosts in the ghost world um i understand why this fic didn't get into that because i think that would have been (laughs) very long (laughs) but i do think it's sort of something that i found very interesting to think about while reading this yeah and the show might get into it i don't actually know i haven't gotten there Speaking of things we haven't gotten to, that was our discussion of When the Kingdom Comes Calling by Blue A, a Danny Phantom fic, and I think now it's about time to hop on over to talk about your fic, Brenna. Alright, so my fic for this week is It's a Neighborly Day in This Beautywood by Masu Trout. Um, This is a fic from 2016 Yuletide, and it is based on a Tumblr post. Uh, I would like to sort of recap that post for you. It is a picture of a sort of found object sculpture that looks like it's made out of both uh, like wood, maybe some animal bones, and also metal of sort of a eldritch creature standing taller than a house um and the writing says a house i pass on the way to work has this sculpture in its yard it's about eight feet tall and then it says hello neighbor steve i would like to invite you to barbecue on the eve of this blood moon i feel we got off to a bad start hello neighbor steve do you do you not wish to partake in the unclean flesh meats of pig and the polluted essence of, of tomato perhaps you are a carolina style man neighbor steve Uh, There's a few more, but that helps give you the essence of what this post is. If you want to read this fic, definitely read the post first. Um, This fic sort of elaborates on that and takes us into the psyche of this uh, ancient eldritch creature um, who has just moved to the neighborhood. Um, That's basically the premise. (laughs) I think it's always fun to go looking for Yuletide fics because that's where you find some of the things where people have based off of just media sources that you never expected to be fic and this was definitely one of those I'm pretty sure I read this back in like 2016 or 2017 like I definitely read it before and I also remember seeing that post circulate widely on my tumblr timeline uh probably prior to that um 
So this was really fun to read. I like the characterization of this old one uh, a lot too. I thought it was a really interesting character. Um, I really like reading stories about characters, creatures, people who are kind of outside of their proper time. I think it's a really interesting premise for me and I like how this fic explored uh, this creature who was used to sort of one style of civilization and humanity uh, coming to terms with this new one that he hadn't seen that he'd missed a lot of time in between his old one and the present um and kind of learning how to fit in in his own style uh and sort of also the connections that he made between um the world that he used to know and this new one uh i i just really enjoyed reading that story uh there aren't very like severe content warnings for this fic i would just say the sort of general concept of eldritch horror although it's written quite comedically for the most part um and also there is sort of an off-screen murder situation and also a gun so yeah that's my summary for this uh before we get further into it co-hosts what did you think okay so firstly i'm gonna say i really really enjoyed this fic and secondly, I'm going to lovingly roast Brenna, but it's fine because I know that she will roast me back, so <laughs> all's fair. Um, this fic was very humorous. I also found it really funny that to us, Brenna was like, you know, I always bring fics for like really big fandoms. I'm going to bring something like different this time. I'm going like niche with a sort of like Tumblr post fic. Yeah, it was different. Uh-huh. One of my notes <laughs> literally reads, pretending to be shocked voice. Oh, wow. Brenna picks a fic that doubles as a commentary on the nature of humanity. What a surprise. Um, (laughs) Like, and then, like, later when it gets into sort of some of the, like, aesthetics of this eldritch horror creature, like, decorating his new home, I was like, I'm in love with this. And also, I am so thoroughly unsurprised that Brenna brought this fic, Uh that this is a fic that she would enjoy. Um, Wow. Talk about being on brand. Sorry to be myself. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I think there's there's a reason that this is your brand. And also, like, it's a very good one. Um, and this fic was such a delight to read. Um, it was super, super humorous. Um, and also just, like, the tone of it, like, the writing coming from the old one's perspective was so fun. Like, like Brenna said, like, yes, it's an Eldritch Horror. But yeah, I mean, if you if you get the sort of, like, vibe of it through the Tumblr post, like, you know that what you're getting into is not going to be that horrific. Although there was, like, as you said, with the off-screen murder, I was like, oh, gosh, yes, I forgot that this is, like, an ancient being who used to, like, have sacrifices to live and, like, you know, has sort of that some of that going on. Um, I do think some of the stuff in there about humanity was um, interesting and had sort of the potential to be very sad if you wanted to really get into it. But instead it was like, no, we're just going to swerve into the humor of it all. Um, the images in it, like, the way that it was written were really evocative. Um, and you just sort of have to stand Sharon, who comes to bring the old one a lasagna that he ends up quite enjoying. Um, good for him and good for Sharon. Steve, Steve, we're on the fence about. <laughs> yeah, Steve's questionable. Sharon is a legend. I really, really enjoy this fic. Um, I love a niche fandom. I love it when something's kind of weird and experimental. I love it when you really don't. There's not there's not a fandom for this Tumblr post. <laughs> I don't know. I read the context very quickly and then I was like, all right, I'm ready. I don't have to worry about not knowing things this time. So that was exciting, considering what we'll talk about with Reed's fic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like the writing was super tight. 
The prose was super well done. And I think for me, my favorite thing about this fic was the POV work. Like, the old one is a homie. The old mm-hmm. one is so cool. I loved the really self-aware humor in this fic that also did not shy away from being genuinely creepy and kind of upsetting at times, but never upsetting in a way that like made me want to stop reading. It was upsetting in a way that made me feel even more inclined to be a fan of the old one because I was like, yeah, you're old, you're powerful, you're kind of gross, and I love it. (laughs) Gross and elegant and beautiful, like the worst figure skater (laughs) that gets the best scores. Okay. I don't know what I mean by that. (laughs) I also don't know what you mean by that. I don't know, but I still, I stand by it. Mm. Um. Yeah, there just was, it was so much fun. I read it and I was like, I'm having a great time. I'm happy I read this. I'm excited to talk about my favorite lines and also about Sharon and her lasagna and about how this fake is cottagecore. Yeah, um, I think to kick it off, I'd like to talk about like the first line in this fic. I feel like surrounding books, people really talk about like, oh, great first lines or like the first lines to my favorite books and stuff. I feel like we don't really do that so much with fic, but the first line to this fic is a banger and I think just really introduces everything so well. It reads, The old one, the sleeping beast, seeker of blood and devourer of souls, haunting abomination of the darkened woods, woke to find his sacred grounds were no longer there. And like, yeah, I want to read that story. Like, that's such a good intro premise. It introduces our character. It introduces what's going to happen. It makes us curious. Um, I just... It, like, evokes the right vibe for the fic. I just thought it was an excellent intro opener. And, like, I think that's especially important in a fic like this that's, one, on the shorter sides. We kind of just have to get right into it. And, two, in a fic where we don't really have, like, a fandom that we're working with, all the context for this pretty much has to be created within the fic uh, and, like, the little Tumblr text posts. So I think setting up the right impression for your reader right off the bat is important. I think this fic does it really well. One thing I really, really loved about this fic was how much of it was about exploration, but about exploration in a way that was both childlike and unspeakably ancient. Um, I think that's always something that's really interesting when fic introduces a non-human entity. Um, Brenna can probably speak more on this than I can as an expert in non-human entities, but um, <laughs> personally, I don't, know. I don't know about that as a general category. Um, it is oh. true that I like AI, if that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, which is exactly what the old one is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm. the old one is about as natural as you can get, I think, actually, while also being horrifyingly unnatural in a humanist-centric way of viewing things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making it more complicated. <laughs> I actually totally understood what you meant, though. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, just thinking about, like, the old one is kind of an anthropologist and also kind of a lost toddler. And these things mm-hmm. are happening simultaneously as it's kind of wandering around, like, hmm. Like, I, and also kind of a teenager, too, going through puberty of, like, I can't let these people witness me practicing my walking. It would be so embarrassing if I tripped. <laughs> I just think, like, so many different stages of human development were somehow coalesced into one creature. And I found that so, so fun and interesting to think about as I was reading of like, okay, if the old one is trying to become a person, what are the different steps that it takes to become a person? I thought that was cool. Yeah, I do get what you mean, though, Nick, about like, 
or what you alluded to <laughs> about like the similarities between the old one here and some sort of new technology almost. Because uh, on the one hand, this old one is sort of this like ancient deity who was like worshipped and knows so much. And on the other hand is like learning how to actually implement that in society, which I think is something we see a lot in sci-fi with um, sort of like new AIs and stuff. I don't think the old one is like the born sexy yesterday <laughs> trope. Thankfully. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. That is, I It was in my brain as you were speaking. <laughs> That's usually what we see with AI is like it, it has that but it's also like a beautiful woman yeah yeah <laughs> and here is an eldritch abomination which I think is actually <laughs> a lot more fun but <laughs> yeah well I love that like in the human-esque body it builds for itself um with its you know like antlers and deer skull face or whatever right human-esque mostly just means bipedal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah literally and when when steven sharon opened the door um the eldritch horror the old one is like oops might have overshot the height a little because it's like 10 feet tall it's like too tall for the house it's uh -huh. antlers keep scraping the roof it's like looking down at sharon and steve but then also like steve is looking up into the sort of placement where you think eyes would be relative to the skull but then the old one's internal narration is like actually like the core of its being is like a little bit down so steve isn't quite <laughs> meeting its eyeline but like props to steve for trying it's sort of like when you use disguise self in D D, and you can make your mm -hmm. disguise look taller but you're not actually any taller <laughs> yeah so someone's looking like a foot above your head and you're you're like mm, this is this is normal mm -hmm. yeah i mean is the old one not using disguise self mm. because oh. like no, I don't think so. It, it, well, hmm. I don't think there's a D&D spell for call upon the forest and detritus of nearby to build myself a body. Summon Beholder. Um, unless you want to get... <laughs> I don't think Summon Beholder is going to do it, actually. Oh. Anyway, for anyone who doesn't play D&D, this is, this is not relatable content. Um, but to be honest, when have we ever gone for hashtag yeah. relatable content on this Um, All the time, Raid. Please stop Constantly. slandering us. We're hip. Oh, sometimes it's relatable, but sometimes we're here to have a good time. And if you're also having a good time, that's nice. Sometimes it's um, relatable in a way that people don't want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's really like, here's this embarrassing thing from past fandom, and they're like, oh no, me too. Oh, yeah, please. When we released the Super Hulak episode, oh and, and people in the Discord were like, I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> we're like, too bad. We did, though. Um. Yes. Anyway, Um. yeah, I mean, I think... Some of the musings on humanity, as I sort of alluded to earlier, uh, if this were a fic that we're not going for a humorous tone and also we're maybe like looking to be a little bit longer, I think you could get like really deep into some of it. Like when the old one is sort of wandering this neighborhood, um, trying to get a feel for like the state of humanity as it exists now, um, it it like sort of reaches out like emotional feelers to sort of the general population. Um, and there's notes that are like, here lived a slow building apathy coexisting alongside despair and the fear of loss. And I don't know, like it paints such an interesting look at humanity that I think easily could be like pretty depressing. Um, all of the sort of anxiety and fear that the old one is just sort of feeding off. But instead it's like, I will feed off of your general despair over the state of humanity and also this beef lasagna thanks sharon <laughs> mm -hmm. well it is interesting because the old one does seem to get its energy from these sort of negative human emotions like fear anger hopelessness um but because the old one is our pov character like 
we're kind of happy for him that like there are these things to feed off of almost. And I think it really makes for like the pivotal turning point at the end where like Sharon and Steve come to visit him. Sharon gives him the lasagna, which I do want to get back to because um, it's important. And then Steve shoots him. And the old one takes that as an offering uh, because it can feel Steve's fear within this iron ball, um, basically sucks that emotion out of it. And it totally changes the narrative there a bit um, with like how Steve's actions are read to us and also just like isn't what you expect from a scene where one character shoots another character. It's never like, oh, thank you. (laughs) Um, So I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. It's, you know, it has this focus on these really like negative human emotions, but for the ancient one, they are in fact a good thing and contribute to his well-being and livelihood. Uh, So I just thought that that's an interesting lens through which to view like suburban America. Yeah, not to get metatextual with it. Um, but I do think something interesting is even as we were talking just now, Reed, you were speaking about the old one, uh, with the pronouns it and its, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, some people use those as neo pronouns, like for people, but otherwise they're pretty dehumanizing, which is understandable because the old one's certainly not <laughs> human. Uh, the fic uses he, him, but I also, I don't know, you get the sense that it made me think about writing in translation and localization or lack thereof. It almost like the old one probably is not internally narrating things in what we would consider American English. Uh, there is like language there, obviously, especially being able to understand and speak with Sharon and Steve. But I don't know. There was something about it that like everything, every action is translated Um, And it's not always into a human perspective, but it's into a perspective that we, at least as people, can like read and understand and internalize. So not only are we getting Steve gave an offering to the old one, we're also getting the subtext of Steve shot the old one because he was scared and wanted to kill him. Mm -hmm. I just think there's something so interesting about that. I think like one of the things that's most delightful about this fic is like Steve and Sharon's reaction to the old one like as we know from the old one's pov he awakens and he wanders through this neighborhood he finds an empty plot of land uh that doesn't seem to be claimed by anyone you get the sense that there's like a sold property sign that he just is like this is useless (laughs) and you have not carved runes into it so i i will disregard it um basically duplicates the house next door kills its inhabitants um and then it's like my home you also get the sense that the neighbors across the street, or I, I've i been assuming across the street. I actually don't know which house it is. Um, I've also been picturing across the street. <laughs> Steve and Sharon would have just awoken in the early hours of the morning, probably, uh, to see a new house across the street and a 10-foot tall eldritch abomination there. Um, so that would be really fun for them. And I'm just obsessed with the fact that Sharon's impulse was to bake a lasagna. Like... <laughs> Um, it's such a precise commentary on like what we imagine suburban America to be. Uh, and there's always sort of that ongoing joke of like, oh, the suburban housewife who like brings the lasagna to the new neighbors. Like that's a thing in like so many pieces of media. Um, and how it is employed here, I think is just absolutely delightful. Um, and they both had such different but similar intentions for this lasagna, I think is what is really wonderful. Like Sharon did intend it to be an offering, but 
you know, like a consumable normal offering that you'd give a human. Um, and the old one also takes it as an offering, but he takes it as an offering because it like contains slaughtered animal in it. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is not what Sharon intended. But I just really like that moment of like them both kind of having these same but different but same thoughts and reactions to this lasagna. I just think that that's a really great moment in this fic. Also, one of my favorite parts of that interaction is like Sharon is doing her best to just like have a normal conversation. Steve, not pleased. Um, but Sharon's like, so are you like a bachelor? Are you here with anyone? And like, the old one is like, oh, I have a wife and kid, but they're not here yet. Because like his internal narration is like, um, well, it seems like most of the people in this area also have some sort of like domicile, some sort of family. And it would be strange for him to not, as though the strange thing again was not that he is a 10 foot tall antler man. <laughs> Um, who who gives his name to Steve and Sharon as antlers. Steve doesn't take that yes. well either. Steve needs to learn to, like, no. roll with things a little bit more, I think. And then, like, Steve takes all of this fear and shoots him. And Sharon's, like, aghast. Like, the old one can sense that Sharon is not pleased that Steve has shot the old one. Um, and the whole, the whole interaction was just so good. Yeah, you get the sense that if Steve were the hero of a Greek tragedy... His downfall would be hubris, thinking that he could take down antlers with a single bullet. Foolish pride. Steve would never be the hero of a Greek tragedy. Like, Sharon, yes. Steve, Mm -hmm. no. Mm -hmm. Steve, no. Fully agreed. Bye, Steve. Hello, Sharon. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Sharon is so good. I do just, like, it's so fun to see something like this played straight. Like, what the hell would I be doing if... (laughs) <laughs> this creature moved across the street from me. Like, if I turned out my window and was like, whoa, hello. <laughs> I don't think I would do much of anything, to be honest. I might leave. I, I don't know. I just love the idea of them being like, well, all right, how are we going to handle this? <laughs> I do also love that, like, after the old one has accepted these offerings, like, he has a better, like, impression of Steve and Sharon. Like, at the end, he's thinking about what he will do for them back uh, to, like, create them some gift of some sort. And I don't know. I just think it's really nice. Like, yes, being neighborly in these ways, even to your unexpected eldritch horror new neighbor, (laughs) is gonna work out for you in the end. And I think that that's such a funny message. Uh, Not funny as in wrong, but just, like, funny as in humorous message for this um, fic to deliver. I also like how much the old one is enjoying being Mm -hmm. awake in this time. Like, when he first wakes up, he's really disoriented. Things are really different from the last time he was awake where he had, like, sacrificial stones and people praying to him and offering to him, etc., etc. And he is so delighted by this interaction and, and this conversation with Steve and Sharon that he's like, you know what, I think I will hang around in this time period for a little while and go into the forest and get myself some spirits to be my wife and child and uh, see what's up. Um, which, like, does really bring me a lot of joy to picture, like, the old one, like, in a grocery store, pushing a shopping cart, uh, doing other such mundane human things. God, yeah, the imp- I hadn't even thought about that, but the old one in, like, <laughs> Safeway. It's so good to me. I really am kind of obsessed with that, actually. Oh, you can't reach that. Let me grab it for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So this was a delightful little fic that really committed to the bit in the most wonderful way possible. Um, in this fic also, it is centered around someone who they thought was dead, but wasn't and came back. Um, and that's sort of the same in Reed's fic. So Reed, let's get into it. <laughs> So my fic is Wander the Wild Whereby by Mediest. It is a Fire Emblem Three Houses fic. The pairing is Felix Sylvain, um, and I will pause here for theme song. Reads Video Game Corner. Yes, that's right, everyone. We are back in Reads Video Game Corner. We never leave it for long. Um, this time, though, I have brought a Space AU, and I am so, so excited about this fic. Um, it's a hefty one. When I pitched it to my co-hosts, it was not technically complete. The epilogue had not been written and it was like 53k and I was like, this is a little over what we normally do, but it'll be fine. And then while Nick was reading, <laughs> the epilogue got posted like literally the day before we recorded this. Um, and now it is 59k. So, uh, heft heftier fic than we normally go for, but- Longest fic we've ever done on a normal episode. Wow. Well, this fic was worth it. Um- I read this fic and I felt like my brain was full of bees, and I mean that in the best way. Um, I One of my notes about this fic was, this fic does not live rent-free in my brain. I am actively paying money to it and I'm not even <laughs> mad about it. Um, so before I get into it, I am not going to really talk about Fire Emblem Three Houses as a video game, um, because as I said, this is a space AU. That being said, this fic has like a lot of people and places and politics that draw a lot from the game's lore. Uh, the game's lore is vast and changes depending on the way you play it. Um, and I do not have time to get into all of it. Uh, I did write my co-hosts a little primer, so I will put that up on Twitter if anyone is interested in reading it before reading this fic. If you don't know anything about uh, Fire Emblem, that might help guide you. Um, but I'm just going to sort of talk about like the people in this fic and I think what you need to know for this discussion. Um, before I get any further in, uh, I do want to say, first of all, I'll be spoiling the fic a bunch as I talk about it in this intro. Uh, also, I want to give the content warnings. Um, this fic is tagged for graphic depictions of violence, um, and also in its additional tags has violence and torture. I would say that for the most part, the violence of this fic is sort of, um, genre appropriate. It's a space opera. Um, I think it's kind of what you would expect. Uh, they're also like there's a war happening in the galaxy, so that sort of sets the tone for it. Um, I think the most graphic of the violence and, like, the descriptions of torture happen pretty much in one chapter. Um, there are specific warnings on certain chapters, so if you're going to read this fic, uh, please keep an eye out for them. But just know that in our discussion, like, we might be talking about the impacts of those things on the characters and the fic, but we won't be getting into detail about any of the specifics. Um, so that's my sort of general um, heads up about this fic. Uh, now let me give you some context for what all happens in uh, this space AU. Our POV character is Sylvain. Um, he is the captain of a ship called the Scylla, along with his crew, which are Ash, Dudu, Annette, and Mercedes. Um, previous to the fic, uh, Sylvain has been running from his homeland and the war that is ravaging it. Uh, he does some jobs that are legal and some not so much. They transport some cargo. It gets a little hairy. Um, and as he is refueling on sort of the only true neutral territory in this galaxy, uh, he sees quote-unquote Thomas, 
Uh, spoilers, real name, not Thomas. His name is Felix. He sees Felix with a sort of giant cargo box at his feet uh, looking for a ride. And Sylvain can tell that this guy probably also deserted from the same army as Sylvain. There's like something else going on here, but uh, he decides to take him on board. Um, pretty big spoilers for the fic. Um, the homeland that Sylvain and his crew and Felix are all from, Fargus, um, their royal family all died a number of years back in a tragedy. And sort of in the wake of the deaths, um, Cornelia took over. She's really bad. She also deals with some other people, the Agarthans, who are really, really horrible, who, like, do experiments on people. Not great. Um, hey, spoilers, you know what was in the cargo that Felix brought on board? The cryogenically frozen body of the prince. He's not dead. Woo! That's what Brenna was referring yeah, to. <laughs> Dimitri, welcome back. Let's give it up for Dimitri. Woo! Dimitri! Dimitri! At no point before this fic starts or during this fic does he have a good time. Um, no. <laughs> but sort of by the end of it, things are better for him. But like, mm. oof, Dimitri. I'm sorry, bud. Anyway. Hard knock life. Uh, yeah. So they're sort of like going around the galaxy. Things start getting a little bit hairy when people are after Felix, after Sylvain. Um, the Agarthans, who are, as I mentioned, the really bad people, start trailing them, etc. Um... There's a lot of political stuff happening, but quite honestly, I think if you have sort of the bare bones knowledge, if you decide to read the primer, I think you can go into this fic and like let the stuff that you don't understand wash over you and still really, really enjoy it. Um, the other quick thing I just want to mention for context is uh, in this universe, uh, pulling from the game, there is a thing called crests. Um, it's basically passed down through bloodlines kind of randomly within those bloodlines where holders of crests have heightened abilities they can be extra strong they'll heal extra fast etc um they're seen as a thing tied to nobility they're highly desirable uh sylvain had an older brother miklon who did not have a crest sylvain was born did have a crest and that kind of fucked up miklon's whole life um and in his adulthood miklon turns to the agarthans to get a synthetic crest it turns him into a horrible monster and sylvain is ordered by his father to go kill his brother uh, so that is one of the things he is dealing with as he sort of attempts to run from his past. Um, there is, okay, we've been doing a lot of, like, girl help in this episode. <laughs> I feel like now is probably the time to bring up where that comes from. Let's go. Um, so I was on Twitter and someone I follow had retweeted memes of Fire Emblem Three Houses characters as Tumblr posts. Uh, and one of them was Sylvain over the post, girl help, I'm meeting all DSM criteria. <laughs> That's true for the game, but boy, is it true for this fic. Oh, oh, him. Hang in there, buddy. I just, Nick, you said you had the DSM open I when did. you saw I was post. working on, yeah, I was doing homework. Um, I do want to be clear. Sylvain does not meet all DSM criteria. <laughs> there are so many. And also, you can't meet them all at the same time. However, I did find it absolutely hilarious, and I it really stuck with me. It's It's in my heart now. <laughs> Sylvain does have a lot of girl help. They all have a lot of girl yeah. help moments in this fic. This fic deeply had a girl help vibe. <laughs> um, I, as I said, this fic 
just makes me feel like I could vibrate at a frequency that could shatter glass. I have so many things that I loved about it that I will get into, but um, yeah, I was I was a little bit nervous about bringing it, one, because of the content warnings. It's They're definitely heavier than any fic that we've brought to the pod before, uh, but two, even though it's an AU, like I said, it, it's pretty hefty in its cast of characters and its politics and its plot. Um, and so I was worried that even with the primer, my co-host would just be totally lost. Um, but as far as I understand it, uh, you both enjoyed this fic, so I'd love to hear a little bit about your reading experiences. Yeah, adjusts glasses. I know a little something about reading fic when I don't know anything <laughs> about the source material. So just saying, um, I did deeply, deeply, deeply enjoy this. Um, I have never picked up Fire Emblem Three Houses as a game. Um, I, my only experience with it really is knowing that Reed is a fan and also <laughs> the one person I follow who posts Dimlick's fic. Um, so I see that sometimes on my timeline. Otherwise, I don't know, man, if they're just out there in their houses fighting, <laughs> I think <laughs> combat. <laughs> there is fighting. Yeah, exactly. Um, so like, that's basically all that I know. Um, but Reed's primer was super helpful. I did read it. Good for me. Um, I was going to go back and reference it at one point, but I realized I'd closed the tab and I was like, it's too late. So I did not <laughs> reference it as I was reading. I meant to leave it open, but I did not. Um, however, I did still find this fic possible to follow and enjoyable. I think like, I've said this in the past about other fics, I feel like it does a good job of setting you up in world. So that even if I forgot exactly who was at war or something, it did a decent job of orienting me, uh, even while I was reading. So I was able to keep up with it pretty all right. And Sylvain is just such a good POV character. I, I was very swept up in it, just in general anyway, to the point that any details that I wasn't totally catching as I was going, like, that was fine. I was just rolling with it. I was like, I'll, I'll catch up later. I'll, I'll see you at the end. And then for some stuff, I was like, I still don't know, but it was okay. Um, I love the action of it. I loved the drama of it. It was very, like, a, we did get a fair amount of, like, big showy space stuff that I really enjoyed. But I think the reason that I liked that so much is because we also got a lot of really quiet internal moments and relationship building, both in the main pairing, but also Sylvain with all of his crew and being friends with them and getting their backstories and histories of how they met. I think because it's such a full AU, it really gave the author room to develop backstories for these characters and also how they knew each other. So I really enjoyed that. I think I can imagine that being something that I would be so into if I had played Three Houses, but regardless, I was still really into it. Um, Mercedes is my wife, legally. So congratulations to me and Mercedes. We just got married this morning oh, wow. <laughs> when I finished reading the epilogue. <laughs> yeah, all the ficlets in the house romance Mercedes for me. Tell her I said, hey. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I think it just like the plot was robust and it was not confusing. It was paced well. It moved and it just was so, so enjoyable. Brenna's going to say this, but I'll say that Brenna said that it read like a novel and I really like that about it too. So yeah, just like so much to love. I, I picked it up and I couldn't put it back down. 
Yes, Brenna is going to say that it read like a novel. <laughs> um, I thoroughly loved this fic. Um, I found it quite readable with limited knowledge. Uh, I definitely found Reed's primer helpful, I think particularly in terms of understanding like what a crest was and a few of the characters who are more like side characters when they appeared, it was helpful to know their context. Um, I think in terms of the world, I could have gone in pretty much blind um, and figured it out. One of the things I, I realized that I really like in uh, both fic and like published fiction is kind of just being dropped into a world alongside a character and having to figure it out. Um, I don't really like like info dumpy world building all that much. So I think the fact that I was just along for the ride with Sylvain and everyone else for most of this fic really worked for me. I, yeah, I, if this had been like a published 500 page sci-fi novel, I would have read and loved it, I think. Like... AO3 user media, if you publish a novel, let me know. I want to read it. <laughs> this was so good. It was also just like right at my alley in terms of kind of media that I like. I love sci-fi. It's blatantly my favorite genre. Like that's something everyone knows. Um, and I think that this AU worked really well for me. Um, I really enjoyed Sylvain as a POV character. Uh, I was just invested in him from like chapter two. Um, I thought the plotting and pacing was done really well. I think sometimes in these chaptered fix that are posted as whips, pacing can be hard. Uh, I think maybe sometimes for the author, it's hard to see it like holistically as you're posting, but this one had a really good all encompassing view. I think of the pacing of the plotting of the plot twists. I was definitely on the edge of my seat. Like I didn't want to put this fic down. Um, I, I'm a pretty visual reader too, so I definitely kind of crafted a world in my head that is not the same as Fire Emblem because I have not played the game and I don't know what it looks like. Um, so in my brain, this world was sort of a combination of like Firefly, which I think is purposeful, like the author kind of referenced it in an author's note, uh, for the ship and then sort of like Star Wars for the world and all the different kinds of planets that they visit. Um, but it just felt really grounded and complete uh the world felt really robust and i really enjoyed being in it yeah just like huge emphasis hype horns on everything my co-hosts said um <laughs> i don't think i've mentioned this before in the pod but i absolutely love a space au um and i haven't read one in a while or especially not one like this dense um, and so this was such a fun world to explore but i think the thing that really gripped me right from the beginning um was, uh, I mean, the prose is phenomenal. I think it's interesting that Brenna mentioned for her fic, like, gripping first lines, because I loved the first line of this fic as well, um, which is, Garrick Mach is the only neutral territory left in the galaxy, but war is like a wave. When it breaks, it breaks against the entire shore. Which I, which I just thought was so good, mm -hmm. so gripping. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the thing that really, really reeled me in from the very beginning was the character work. Um, yes, Sylvain is the most delightful POV character, but also, like, all of the characterizations are so strong. Um, something I loved that stayed true through this fic all the way throughout is, like, every character feels really fleshed out and full, and Sylvain's relationship with his crew is just as, if not more important at certain times, than his relationship with Felix, um, which is really important to me, I think, especially in a fic like this, like, intricate um and of this length like you can tell there is so much uh there's crew as family is such a big thing in this fic which like I am a huge sucker for and the ways in which you get to see that sort of both in 
the little snippets of like backstory and like flashes of how they one by one became crewmates on a ship um but also like in the present and how they care for one another and how they resolve conflicts and how they deal with this escalating tension and like escalating issue that they find themselves sort of hurtling headfirst into um all of the characters just feel so rich and deep and compelling um which i really 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 loved uh Oh my god, there's so many things I could talk about with this fic. I don't even yeah. know where to go with it. Um, yeah, really quick, uh, because Reed did call me out in my fic section, I do have to say <laughs> that I my first note in my Google Doc is, wow, Reed's calling me out for being too on brand, and yet this fic is on chapter two, and we're getting myth-based backstory. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's aside from just looking at Sylvain. Yeah. Well, yeah, but there's a level of on brand that I expect most weeks, and then they're sort of exceeding that yeah, that's limit. Fair. I do feel like when Sylvain was telling the crew the myth of Scylla, which is like what his ship is named after, I was like, yeah. oh my god, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> you <fair>. know what? <laughs> Understandable. I mean, it was good. I'm not saying it wasn't good. I was just laughing a lot. So um, I did just need to mention that really quick. Um, but yeah, I think uh, like... Sylvain is deeply fucked up as a character. He has a lot of problems going on. Girl help! Um, Girl help for real. Like, yeah, things are not going great in his brain. And sorry to him, but I did really enjoy reading about it. Like, I'm sorry for your pain, but I like reading your experience. So, um, I think the way that this fic delves into his character and the repercussions of what he's faced previously was handled so well and was so compelling. Um, I think with the themes that this fic handled, it could have felt gratuitous at times and it didn't really for me. I think the kind of brutality of some of the moments and the brutality of like Sylvain to himself in his head actually helped me feel more connected to the story, especially as someone who didn't know the character before and like didn't have any investment in the character previously. Um, Like he's not nice to himself and it's sad, but it also like really made me invested in his character really quickly. And I think that that part was real, was, I think that that part was very effective for me. Um, the writing itself is also just so good. Like there's a lot of fix where I'll be struck by a line or two, but I think oftentimes I'll be struck by those lines partially because of what they say are saying about a character and my feelings about that character. So it'll be something where I'm like, oof, like that really hurt because of its insightfulness into this person's like thoughts or feelings or uh, what it says about their relationship with someone else. The prose of this fic was just fucking good on its own. Like it yeah. just <laughs> hit. Um, I need to go see what else this author has written and then read it all. Um, sorry that I've become <laughs> obsessed. <laughs> It was just amazing. Like, there's one line kind of uh, halfway-ish through, I'm not quite sure, um, because I did not write chapter numbers next to my notes, where it goes, it's easy to have the wrong idea about war. It isn't really about the bodies or the sound that they make or even the smell. Doctors deal in bodies all the time. It's how you feel about yourself afterwards. It's whether you're able to feel anything about yourself at all. And like, that, I feel like, sums up so much of this fic, especially because even as the characters are kind of avoiding, for the most part, being embroiled in the war, the war surrounds them and it colors every action that they take. Um, and I think, like, Sylvain's and Felix's histories and backstories uh, surrounding themselves, their family members in the war, also color everything. Um, and this line just, like, totally hit for me, like, what this fic 
is about um, when it gets broken down. And I just really loved it. So I had to give it a shout out. Yeah, in that same vein, I feel like this fic, at its, it, it's about a lot of things. Um, but I think one thing that stood out to me a lot as I was reading is how much of this fic is about transgression and absolution. Mm-hmm. And specifically transgression as killing and and murder and ending life and cycles of violence. Um, Sylvain sees himself and thinks about himself, sometimes implicitly, sometimes explicitly, as a monster. Um, Reed mentioned in the kind of intro to this that Sylvain does have to kill his brother, and that's a whole mess. Um, and from what I understand, that's a pretty ugly scene in the game, too, so woof. Um, but the trauma around that shapes so much of the way Sylvain sees not only himself, but war and other people and killing. He does what he has to do for his crew. He didn't really have an option to be the good guy in his life because the good guy, the right person, the person that people wanted him to be was a soldier. And that's not a life that he wanted. So I don't know. I just think it's so interesting that he has his own perspective and his own moral compass around these things. It's pretty skewed and pretty tilted because of his own experience and self-perception. And then you have Felix who comes in and Sylvain is like, oh, you're like me. You deserted the military. You are good at killing, but you hate it. Da da da. And Felix is like, I kill because I have to. And he doesn't seem to carry the same baggage around it. He has baggage, but it's not oh, the boy. same baggage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I'm good at baggage. Girl, help. <laughs> Girl, help us all. Um, but yeah, I just, I really, really thought that was interesting because the times where that comes up the most, his internal narration about the horrible things that he's done and the things and the people and the creatures that he's killed are when the most violence is being enacted upon Sylvain, uh, in chapter 12, which is the chapter that a lot of these content warnings apply to. So for me, I think that theme running through of, what can you be forgiven for and what can you and can't you come back from was wrapped up really, really beautifully at the end. They'll probably talk more about shame and peeling that back, but we all have so much to say. I'm like, oh God, I have to get it all out. Um, anyway, <laughs> toward like the I end. I brought this my birthday episode where <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Like, oh, have so much to say. Seriously, Reed, come on. Whoops. Reed. Oh God, why weren't you born in April, Reed? <laughs> Brutal. Anyway. anyway, I was just going to say toward the end, he finally um, talks about some of this stuff to someone who he had been hiding it from for a long time out of shame. And that, for me, felt like such a satisfying breath at the end of this fic, even though all of the political stuff hasn't necessarily been fully resolved. That piece of it felt like it was really neatly tied to me, and that was really satisfying. Yeah, I want to touch on that, um, actually, because as you both were speaking, I was thinking about... Um, in sort of in the whole like this prose fucking slaps bit um (laughs) one of the things that i think it does super effectively is there's repetition of certain themes and lines um and so early on in the fic you get sort of uh sylvain thinking about the last time he killed someone that person wrapped their hand around sylvain's ankle and said like i'll see you soon princess um and then later after the first time you see sylvain's like crest get activated the scene, there's a scene break, and then it starts with, there are multiple ways to tell a creation story. And it gets a little bit into the crests and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it touches on Miklon, his brother, trying to get a synthetic crest. 
um, and poisoned and dying at Sylvain's feet by Sylvain's hand saying, I'll see you later, princess. And you make that connection that like the last person he killed was his brother. And it's horrible. Um, and the last little end of that section says, who gives a shit where crests came from? At the end of the day, some people are born lucky. Sylvain wins the genetic lottery. For as long as he's lived, he's paid it back out of his own flesh. He doesn't think he'll ever stop paying. Which is like, really such a theme of this fic, right? Is is his self- not hatred. Well, kind of. His dealing with self self-flagellation, yeah. yeah, and dealing with all of this. Um, and the scene that Nick mentions is at the very end he's talking to Ingrid, who is sort of one of his childhood friends from when he uh went to school. Um he was like out of touch with her for a while, whatever he was missing for many weeks. Uh and she's like, Where the hell have you been? What's going on? And he's like, You're gonna be mad at me. And she's like, It's okay, like tell me the story. And he's so afraid. Um, and the line there goes, who is he if not the worst thing he'd ever done? Time to find out. She's waiting for him. He tells her a creation story. Which, who is he if not the worst thing he'd ever done is- God. Killer. The- Oh, haha, killer. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Oh, no. (laughs) So many of my notes for this fic are just me pulling lines with some Uh variation on the caption, screams and just doesn't stop screaming. Um, or sobs and just doesn't Mm -hmm. stop sobbing. This is both- um, oh my god, I just, like, at the end of this fic, it's not that Sylvain gets his absolution in entirety. Like, it's not like he totally forgives himself. He Girl, help, he's still dealing with so many things. Mm-hmm. But he's learning how to let some of it go, and he's learning how to give some of himself up to his friends and to Felix and to all these people in a way he hasn't before. And I am hurling myself into the sun. <laughs> Oh. oh, bye, Reed. Bye. Enjoy your journey. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe the show will pick me up on my way. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, Reed, I think that's really interesting because I also kind of saw it at the end as, like, Sylvain facing these things. Like, I don't know if I fully believe that he's been able to, like, let some of them go. <laughs> he has he's a, trying. He has a firm grip on those issues. Um. But I think he's decided to kind of face them head on and try and deal with some of them to let some of them go. And there's a line that really made me personally shriek um, <laughs> <laughs> earlier in the fic where Sylvain and Felix, like, they hooked up pretty early on, but then things have been quite messy between them, uh, particularly because there's so much baggage um, and they keep kind of having to make tough decisions that the other one doesn't necessarily agree with. Uh, but there's a part where it goes, call me baby one more fucking time, Felix sneers. The, spe- the space wanderer bullshit doesn't make you free. You've bought into your own con. Go run all the way to Bridget. You'll never get away from yourself. And like, yeah, you you just read him, Felix. Like, uh-huh. that was brutal. <laughs> but like, you're absolutely right. And I think like, we we as readers have known that about Sylvain, but no one else has come out and just fucking said it like that. And it's so harsh, but also I think exactly what needed to be said, because it is what Sylvain needs to do. He has bought into his own con. He's bought into his con that if he takes these jobs that aren't directly related to the war effort, if he stays away from his home planet, if he distances himself from his family and from having killed his brother, then, like, he's good. He's free. But he's not because he's tethered down by all of his own issues and, like, past horrors and trauma. Um, And if he doesn't ever face them, he'll never get any ounce of freedom. So, anyway, Mm. thanks for that brutal statement, Felix. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think it was yeah. definitely easier for me to like Sylvain as a character than Felix, but like their their conversations and their scenes together, wow. Yeah. 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 Intense. Yeah. It's like the late Ernest Hemingway said, wherever you go, there you are, Sylvain. <laughs> I added the last part. <laughs> he yeah, didn't say Sylvain. I figured he didn't say Sylvain. <laughs> no, he didn't. Thanks, I do Ernest. just want to bring up, um, so when you play Fire Emblem, depending on the way you play and like the relationships you build with characters and whatnot, at the end of the game, you'll get sort of these little like cards that sort of tell you what the characters have been doing post-game. Um, and most of them come in like supports, so like paired groups, um, especially if some of them sort of have like in-game canonical romancy things, it'll tell you about that. If you play a certain route and if you get Felix and Sylvain's support high enough, uh, I would just like to read to you one line of what you get from their future. Okay. Um, it talks about like sort of what they've been doing um, post-war, etc., etc. Uh, and then the last line says, it is said that in their later years, they became so close that they passed away on the same day, as if conceding that one could not live without the other. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. So, there's that. <laughs> Get it away from me, Reed. I didn't uh, want it. <laughs> God, I can't think about that. While I'm just thinking about Felix and Sylvain and feeling just out of my gourd. Um... <laughs> Which is a phrase I'm taking from Nick. Um, but I, Well, I said I lost my gourd, but I do like out of my gourd as well. <laughs> it's extremely good. Thank you. I'm out of my gourd. Um, <laughs> something in general that I think this fic does really well is like, it is always really tense and the pacing is really swift and keeps you on the edge of your seat. But it does allow you to breathe. Um, and after that scene that Brenna mentioned when Felix absolutely drags him, um, they're doing a whole bunch of things. They're like fleeing from people and they land on sort of this like pretty and peaceful little planet to rest and recuperate for a bit, as well as um, unfreeze Dimitri. There's a lot happening. Even even yeah, in the quiet I moments, need, there's still a lot I need happening. I to talk about unfreezing I think Dimitri. The preferred term is thaw. <laughs> well, whatever it may be. Um, before they (laughs) thaw Dimitri, um, Felix and Sylvain are sitting on the roof of this house that they're staying in, um, fixing it, and then they're just sort of, like, staring at the sunset, and so much of this fic is them, like, slightly breaking down some walls and building others way the fuck up, um, and so post this conversation where they were both, like, at each other's throats in the most brutal way they could be, the guard is still definitely there, and, like, they make a couple comments where you can see both of them get their hackles up and then actively work to sort of, like, lower them. Um, and in this brief moment of respite, it's, like, really funny. They get into an argument about, like, children, where Felix is like, children are taller than two feet, and Sylvain's like, children don't have height. They're just babies. <laughs> and Felix is like, did you, what? Um, and just the the point of this being, one, that I appreciate that the fic lets you breathe, even while maintaining its tension. Um, but two, like, their dynamics, so much of it is a push and pull and renegotiating boundaries and learning where they stand with one another. And there's all these musings in Sylvain's internal narration about what it means to sort of unveil some of the softest, fleshiest parts of yourself. And then you can't take that back. And that other person has that as ammo against you. And like Felix uses it. Um, and so both of them carefully testing the waters around one another i think is something that is so good in this fic they're getting together just makes me feel nuts 
And, like, you contrast, like, this quiet, peaceful scene on the roof of the house versus, like, one of the first real conversations they had where Sylvain just been injured and they're in the infirmary on the ship and the lights are too bright and there's nowhere to hide and everything is just in your face and, like, oh, it's really good. Okay, Brenna, now we can talk about Dimitri being <laughs> unfrozen. Thank you! I need to talk about this scene. It made, it made me feel like my co-hosts out of my gourd. <laughs> I am in no way like a Dimitri stan. I don't know him. But this scene was so impactful because we know that Felix and Dimitri have had some sort of intense relationship with each other. Like, not necessarily romantic or sexual, but just like there were emotions there for both of them. And that the last time Felix saw Dimitri before Dimitri went off to like the war front and then got killed, presumably, was like not... It haunts Felix for sure. Uh, so this is a pretty intense scene for him when Dimitri is waking up. And at first, Dimitri doesn't really believe his surroundings. Um, and Felix is like trying to be like, I'm here, like this is real. And Dimitri goes, Felix, Dimitri repeats anguished. They've killed you too. And I literally like gasped. <laughs> that scene was so intense. And I think it also really worked for me. Like, I think because so much of this fic was about Sylvain having something that really brings up Felix's past as well in this way um, was super impactful for me. Uh, I really love this scene. And like, I think they both are running away from their traumas and histories in different ways. And so I think Felix to like confront it in this manner uh, was really necessary. Also, Dimitri is just like a really tragic character in this fic that I definitely was very sad for. There's also another conversation that he has with Sylvain later on that I was like, oh, bro, girl, help. <laughs> like, <laughs> like things are not good. But that one really just like stabbed me in the heart because so much of this is so much of this fic and so much of what has happened to Sylvain and Felix that haunts them is about basically their brothers dying or these figures that are like their brothers. And Dimitri is kind of another one of those for Felix. And then to also see that Dimitri feels that way about Felix too. And like to have this moment where he thinks Felix has been killed, like that they're meeting somehow in the afterlife. Oh my God. It like broke my heart. I was so into it. Yeah. That totally ties in with something I was thinking about earlier too, where at the beginning of Sylvain and Felix's relationship, um, and I mean, like, of them meeting each other at all, the way that Sylvain learns the most things about Felix is catching him in lies. He doesn't really buy anything that Felix is saying. Thomas, the private security person. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> he doesn't really buy the things that he's saying that are purported to be true. So he asks a bunch of these really leading questions to try to understand where Felix is lying and try to read him between the lines, which is such a kind of a messed up way to get to know someone. But like, I understand why that's how it happened the way that it did. It also made them actually opening up to each other for real a lot more impactful. But one thing I was thinking about was that the one truth or lie or whatever it is that Sylvain has the most trouble parsing is Felix talking about having had a brother. He is like, he has a brother, he had a brother, his brother died, he loves his brother, he doesn't love his brother. He's like really fixated on that because there doesn't seem to be a really clear cut yes or no answer. And so getting that, uh, we do eventually get Felix being like, yes, I loved him, whatever. Um, I shouldn't say whatever, that's kind of dismissive. Sorry, Felix. <laughs> um, but him saying, like, yeah, I loved him, and we get the past tense for the first time and realize, like, he died, 
then gets flipped on its head when we find out that Felix, while concussed, he's like, Sylvain, don't open the freezer. <laughs> Sylvain is like, I need to open the freezer. Out comes a man, and it's like, okay, <laughs> this all got 15 times more complicated. Dimitri is and is not dead. Dimitri was and was not Felix's brother. I think so much about that relationship, like Brenna said, was so emotionally dense and complex. And so, yeah, after Dimitri thaws, you really get so much more of Felix. I don't know. I just think it's so, so cool the way that all of that fit together alongside all the rest of the plot stuff that was happening. Holy cow, this author. So impressive. There's so much political stuff happening. Like, we didn't got, get into, like, almost any of it. Yeah. I mean, like, Dimitri being dead and not dead is a pretty central point of it. Yeah. But, um, it's not, it is not all sunshine and roses. Obviously, nothing in this fic is. But, like, there's a line from Sylvain about how bringing back Dimitri also brings back all of the arguments, all the everything. Like, yes. for as much as Dimitri and Felix clearly care about each other, there is a lot of fraught history in that relationship. Dimitri being literal baggage is, like, unreal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, oof. Um, yeah, I think, like, also, I think one of the reasons that Sylvain fixes so much on not being able to parse Felix's relationship with his brother is because of, like, Sylvain's own trauma regarding his own relationship with his brother. Um, and I think it's really impactful that Felix sort of has these two, like, brother figures, the one who really died and then the one who comes back. Um, yeah, I think that's just pretty fascinating. Okay, everyone. Well, stay tuned for the extended edition of Fit Click, where there's another 40 <laughs> minutes of unreleased content, where we continue to just spiral about this fic. If only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, knowing the three of us, we will just continue to talk about it on our own. Yeah. This fic, I cannot say enough about it. Um, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it with, I'm out of my gourd, folks, and you could be too. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fic Click. Uh, if you've listened before, then you already know that you can find us on social media on Twitter and Tumblr at Fic Click. We also have a lovely Discord server filled with wonderful people that you could also be a part of. The link to join that is also on our Twitter. Uh, if you would like to communicate with us in long form, you can also email us at ficclickpod at gmail.com and we'd be happy to hear from you. Uh, if you identify as a ficklet, which is what we call our lovely listeners and stands, if you will, um, you can bring us into your everyday life. <laughs> wow, I'm so sorry. Hey, folks, we've been recording for quite a while. I'm just going to keep going with this. You're doing great. Thank you. Um, you can bring us into your everyday life by getting our merch. Uh, it's on Redbubble, and the link to that is also on our Twitter. If you also feel absolutely wretched with adoration for the characters and the fix that we discuss and enjoy the way in which we express that wretchedness, feel free to leave us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, you're also more than welcome to, please, by all means, uh, post about us on social media, tell your friends, let people know FitClick is a thing that they should be putting into their ears. Please also remember to tweet at us with your various sonas. We are yes, dying yes. to know. Oh we, we are desperate yeah. to know your sonas. <laughs> yes, I really want it. So our next episode is actually going to be a mini-sode. We're going to do it about social media fic and particularly Twitter fic. Uh, that episode will be coming out on May 21st. So get hyped.
just like the ancient one, I'm off to sleep in the woods for thousands of years as well. So see you when I wake up. Bye. <laughs> oh, I'm going ghost. Bye. <laughs> Girl, help. I'm about to check the DSM because I'm out of my cord. Bye. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!